0: Before we begin, it's very important that we ask God for permission to help us understand His Word, what we are about to study together. So if you are in a position to kneel, please join me as we pray and ask the Lord for wisdom to understand what we are about to go through together. Dear precious and loving Lord who art in heaven, we thank you firstly for gracing us with the beautiful gift of your word, the Holy Bible, a word that is eternal, a word that is filled with truth and nothing but the truth. We ask you kindly, O dear Lord, that you help us to understand this word because you are the author through agencies of human beings across different generations. We ask you, Lord, that you give us the wisdom to understand what you wrote. There is a purpose behind what you wrote in your word. And hence we ask you, Lord, to help us understand and realize this purpose and may nourish us and help us grow as your children. We lay this prayer before thee in the wonderful and precious name of our Redeemer and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus did not just come to die. He also lived an incredible life filled with an infinite ocean of value to us. Today we will swim as far into this lovely ocean as we can to allow the beautiful waters to cascade over our spiritual bodies, to understand this value as we are plunged into this deep and vast body of water. The Baptism of Christ Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, And you are coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, In whom I am well pleased. Matthew chapter 3 verse 13 to 17. What a precious moment. The forerunner, in awe as he met Christ face to face for the first time, was so deeply moved he felt unworthy of baptizing Jesus. In this moment he saw himself as small, yet Christ had appointed him as his forerunner to fulfill the work of righteousness for our sakes. Heaven rejoiced as the Father beautifully pronounced his pleasure in his Son. Does heaven not rejoice when a soul is truly baptized, coming out of the body of water, having buried his or her old self in favor for the character of God? Hmm. The forty-day fast. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written, Again you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan! For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him, meaning Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 11. Jesus, as soon after he was baptized, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for forty days. Here he fasted and prayed, having stepped into the opening works of his public ministry on earth. A true test lay in the wilderness for our Savior, as Satan came to pull Christ away from the great work he was about to perform for humanity. At his weakest point, physically famished, Christ was tempted three times. The first, to break his important fast by using his divine power to turn stones into bread. Christ's body was in need of the earthly bread, but his spirit and heart was set on the heavenly bread, as he offered a clean response to the first temptation by quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, But man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Christ, the living word of God, because the word testifies of him, did not fall into this temptation. Satan's words were rife with sinister motives, laced with doubt. Should Christ prove that he is the Son of God by breaking his fast? Did Christ need to prove who he was at this point? No. With steadfastness, Christ did not fall. Christ is the heavenly bread, and He came to nourish and sustain the world with the rich nutrients of His grace and strength giving for us. The next temptation, Satan again asked a question laced with doubt. This time, He too quoted from Scripture, using words from Psalm 91, verse 11 and verse 12. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. This psalm is a song of finding refuge in the Lord. Please take time to read it, as you will see how this temptation goes deep into making Christ crave for his heavenly abode at the right hand of the Father. Here was our Savior. Far from the glory and splendor of his home, in a wilderness far from such opulent glory this temptation could possibly have also meant the end of christ's life by suicide and most certainly have resulted in the end of the plan of our salvation but christ though physically famished and weak was extraordinarily strong with an iron grip on his purpose for us he responded by quoting from the holy word in deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 16 You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. What happened in Massa? Then all the congregation of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of Sin, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord saying, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Choreb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Masa and Meribah, because of the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Exodus chapter 17 verse 1 to 7. Christ was tempted as Satan led the children of Israel to tempt Jesus in Massah as he made them wonder if the Lord was with them. The great I Am rebuked this temptation. God's beloved Son had a great purpose to serve on earth The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Luke chapter 4 verse 18 and 19. Satan tried one more time during Christ's fasting season having been given temporary reign on earth, took Christ on a high mountain where he could show Christ all the kingdoms on earth. Beautifully stretched out before the horizon, Satan then tempted him to worship him. The reward of worshipping Satan, all the kingdoms would be given to our Savior. In his lowly garb, the king of the universe was but a humble man on earth with no opulence to his name. This temptation was a big one but a sad one. Again, had he fallen, our salvation would have been lost, the creator of the universe, her king, falling to worship his own creation. But again, with an iron grip on his purpose for us and his identity as our king and our creator, rebuked this temptation by quoting Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 20. You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast and take oaths in his name. The author of the universe had spoken. With all we recall Daniel chapter 7 verse 13 and 14. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. John chapter 18 verse 36. The king of the eternal kingdom that would bring an end to Satan's temporary and terribly flawed kingdom did not fall. Christ, who came to labor for his sheep, his flock that would inherit a place in his kingdom, did not fall. Hunger and dehydration did not stop him with a stern purpose to not fall from the precious love for the same God who lovingly pronounced his joy and pleasure in his beloved Son, did not fall. The Saviour, the Lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world, with a love that flowed deeply for us, his lost lambs, did not fall. Then, for a season, Satan fled. Christ conquered sin and its originator. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Revelation chapter 3 verse 21. The same Savior who overcame sin and the world is calling us to ask him to strengthen us to overcome sin and the world. Our king led by example at the most terrible and awful time. Are we willing to allow him to come into our lives? and help us conquer sin. The first miracle in Cana. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six waterpots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing twenty or thirty gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the waterpots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him John chapter 2 verse 1 to 11 What did Christ mean when he said my hour is not yet come in verse 4 His death on the cross and his resurrection How let's trace this together After these things Jesus walked in Galilee for he did not walk he did not want to walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Then Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is, already, is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it, that its works are evil. You go up to this feast. I am not yet going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. Therefore they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. John chapter 7 verse 1 to 8 and verse 30. Hmm. Then they said to him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you should have known my father also. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. John chapter 8 verse 19 to 20. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. John chapter 12 verse 23 Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. John chapter 13 verse 1. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may also glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him and this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent I have glorified you on the earth I have finished the work which you have given me to do and now O father glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. John chapter 17, verse 1 to 5. By this we learn of how Christ's ministry was so well planned that even his crucifixion was at an appointed time. He is a God of order. Now our Saviour's time had not yet come, to fully redeem us by his sacrifice on the cross. The time where we could individually find pardon for our sins To be reconciled with God. Now Christ would be glorified. Do we not praise him for his sacrifice for us? Will we not be eternally grateful for his precious act of immeasurable love for us? Definitely. His character, the God of love, clearly etched in our hearts forever. Such precious love. The miracle in Cana saw Christ perform what seemed like a small miracle, but it was integral. The same God whose time of sacrifice was planned to the finest grain of detail definitely carved this first miracle as a keynote for what was to come to soothe many broken and fainting hearts. The same God who instituted the first marriage in Eden is the same God who performed his first miracle at a wedding. This is rich in lessons. I pray you enjoy a deeper look into this In your personal time with God, it will be beyond worth it. The widow's son resurrected. Now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nine, and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. Luke chapter 7, verse 11 to 17. When the Lord saw the widow, he had compassion and said to her, Do not weep. Are you drowning in sorrow? Is your heart torn because of difficulties, depression, anger, hopelessness? No matter who you tell, that anguish pulls you down into mud so deep it seems impossible to come out. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. When you cry to the Lord, he will have compassion on you. Do not weep. For Jesus will soothe the ache that burns you. He will heal you, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, verse 7. If you are listening to this and you feel like your faith in Jesus is dying, look at how he resurrected a young man who had died. Can he fail to resurrect and revive your faith in him? The one who authored your faith will finish it. Ask him and he will have compassion on you. Remember what it was like when you first heard about Christ, how it changed you, a breath of fresh air in a room that had grown stale, your heart. Remember what he did with the widow's son. Believe he will do this with you. This is a personal relationship. You do not need me or any other human being to revive your faith. God will help you, but he can also use another human being to reach out to you. Perhaps he is using me to share these words with you, to remind you to call upon him so he will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 3. What can you know? Jesus will revive you to sow life into your study of his word, the Bible, to enjoy praying to him. Just knowing that he is there who takes special care and has an incredible focus on you when you pray is reassuring. Still in doubt? Study Ezekiel chapter 37 verse 1 to 14. Pray for wisdom and then study that incredible account of what God did through Ezekiel. That's for you to be left in awe. That is for a revival in your relationship with him. If you do not believe in God, while you definitely will believe in him. I did not believe in him. I was a dead man walking, no faith whatsoever. But the Lord said, young man, I say to you, arise. He did not resurrect my sin, sick and dead heart just because. He did it because of love. His love so deep, he could not allow me to perish. He does not want anyone to perish, to die without having received the blessed hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do not believe me? Good. Take him at his word. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. More evidence? Another witness is definitely needed. Say to them, As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 11. Why should you die? When life itself, Jesus Christ, is knocking on the door of your heart. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. Why die? The same Jesus who resurrected the widow of nine son, who restored a broken family and hope to many who witnessed this miracle, is the same Jesus who wants to give you life. Yes, you, dear listener, whoever you are, call upon Jesus Christ. Ask him to help you, to save you. There is so much Jesus did, so much we could have covered. But let us pause with the following words. Whether you believe in God or do not believe in God, if you are burdened and in need of soothing, which we all need, to be honest, here is a message for you from God, a letter of reconciliation to his children with the hand seeped in love. Thus says the Lord, Keep justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come and my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who lays hold on it, who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Here I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me, and hold fast my covenant, even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off also the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve him, and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, every one who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant. Even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel says, Yet I will gather to him others besides those who are gathered to him. Isaiah chapter 56 verse 1 to 8. Salvation and righteousness came through Jesus as a human on earth to save us all, if we only accept him into our hearts. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him, and he with me. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. Christ healed all who received him. whether a spiritual or physical sickness, he healed them. Whether you feel like a stranger, he can heal you. He knocks on the door of your heart. Will you let him in? A eunuch. Hmm. A man who cannot have any children. We take this and apply it spiritually. What does it mean to us? The eunuch should not call himself a dry tree. Even if it seems like we cannot bear fruit. If we develop a personal relationship with God, he grafts us into himself, the great vine, so that we can begin to bear fruit. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. John chapter 15 verse 1 and verse 4 to 5. Pay attention to Christ's ministry, how he freed many people, preached to the Gentiles, people who were not Jews, and called simple men like Peter. Even though Peter was not in the rabbinical schools, even though he worked as a fisherman, Christ still called him. He grafted Peter into himself, taught him nourished him then peter began bearing fruit whether you believe in god but find your faith waning whether you do not believe in god and wonder if there even is a point in it or whether your faith in god burns brightly like a bonfire remember this be anchored to jesus christ learn about him study him place your trust in him and he will strengthen you whether You are seen as an outcast. Jesus' ministry proves that if you seek him, he will not cast you out. He will graft you into his eternal family, so long as you choose him as your savior. Every day, in the day of my trouble, I will call upon you, for you will answer me. Psalm 86 verse 7. Sing to God, sing praises to his name. Extol him who rise on the clouds. By his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Psalm chapter 68, verse 4 to 6. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. John 14. Verse 18.